I'll just try and kick things off then. As the wait for the return of the Premier League continues, those looking for a much sought-after football fix should be turning their attentions eastwards this weekend towards Korea as the K-League season gets underway. To give us a rundown on all things K-League, I'm delighted to be joined by the editor of K-League United, Ryan Walters. Hi, how you doing? Brilliant. Um, so I've just got a few questions here to try and uh, understand the K-League better. As a, yeah, definitely. As it is a bit different from some of the other leagues that we're more used to in Europe. So mm -hmm. um, how does it work? How's the league structured? Yeah, so K-League's broken down into two divisions. There's the K-League 1 and the K-League 2. And for fans that are familiar with Scottish football, that's how K-League 1 uh, operates for the most part. So there are 12 teams there, and most years they would play each other three times, and then it would split into the top six and the bottom six. This year, that's only going to be two rounds. They're going to play each other twice instead because of the shortened season. But the structure will stay the same. So they'll split, and then the top half of the table, everybody plays each other one more time, and then that's to determine the champion. And then the bottom half of the table, everybody plays each other one more time, and then that'll determine the relegation spot. So it's not like a strict playoff uh, like I'm used to in MLS or anything like that. <laughs> but um, it is a, it's kind of a playoff of sorts, and I think it's a way to keep I like it because I think it keeps a lot of teams uh, in and around it. And then, you know, some mid-table teams, they might be able to get up and try to get into the top six where there are Champions League spots and things like that. So it's, it's fun towards the end of the season there. And then uh, in K-League 2, there are 10 teams and they have an actual playoff. So it's very similar to the championship in England where uh, the champion of K2 is automatically promoted and then second, third, and fourth enter into a playoff and the winner of that, and this is where it gets a little bit convoluted, the winner of the K-League 2 playoff will face 11th place from K-League 1 and a home and away playoff final to determine who will be in K-League 1 the next season. Well, again, Personally, to me, yeah. that sounds a bit like Scotland because I think they yep. do that as well um, with some of the lower leagues where the team in the bottom place in the league above plays off against the second best team from, uh, from the league below it. Yeah, and you would think that the top division team would usually have the advantage, but uh, in the years that they've been doing it, and it's still kind of a recent thing for K-League, but uh, the years they've been doing it, K-2 teams have won more often than not. So oh, it's, wow. uh, it's always fun. Yeah, that's quite different from somewhere like Germany, where I think the success rate is very minimal. I think there's only been about right. three teams in the last 10 years that have gone up through the playoffs in Germany. Yeah, I think here it's because... Uh, I think it is because of that playoff system in K2. And so teams need to ramp up to that towards the end of the season. So the end of their regular campaign, they're already kind of in playoff mode and then they have to win playoff games. And by the time they get there, they're facing a team that's in 11th place because they couldn't really get it together in the top division. So like momentum is really with the second division side a lot of times. And I think that's what's carrying them through. But yeah, it's, it's always a really fun way to end the season. We got the FA Cup at the end. Then we have the Pro Rail final at the end. So even with Jumbo Kendai Motors running away with the, the title a lot of seasons in recent history, <laughs> we still have something to look forward to. So you've already mentioned one team that you expect to be towards the top of the league this season. Yeah. Are there any others that, uh, that usually make it up there? Well, historically speaking, uh, Ulsan's another team that has been really good. Uh, Jumbuk last year got their seventh title, which ties them with Sungnam FC. Sungnam, uh, those, those glory days are gone. I don't think they'll be challenging for the title. But this year, Ulsan, 
strengthened extremely well. They brought in Lee Chung Young, uh, a player that I think a lot of folks listening will be familiar with. And he strengthened the squad. And then they also got uh, World Cup hero goalkeeper Cho Yanu. They brought him over from Daegu FC. So they lost uh, last year's MVP, Kimbo Kyung, another player that I think some people will know. Uh, he's with Jumbuk again. So they've strengthened <laughs> there. Um, but Ulsan did really, really well strengthening this winter. I think they're going to have a good title push. And I think FC Seoul is a team that should be challenging for the title this year as well. They had a good bounce back year last year. Um, and they kept a lot of the players that I, I think there were a couple of people that we thought would leave, but they've managed to hang on to most of their squad and then strengthen. So three traditional powerhouses. And I think those will be the, those are the three favorites heading into the season, but especially with the way the league's being played this year behind closed doors to start in a shortened season, it, it's, I think it'll be a little bit more fun to be honest, because you never really know. So th- those are the three I would tip going in, but it could be anybody. That's one of the things I like about it. Well, that's good. So do you think those are going to be the three that ultimately make it into the, um, into the champions league in Asia as well? Yeah, probably. So the top three spots get Champions League, then also the FA Cup winner gets Champions League. So this year, that's why Suwon Samsung Blue Wings are in Champions League, because they did not have a very good domestic campaign, but they did win the FA Cup last year, which is good because they've got quite a few players on that roster that I think would have left without Champions League football. Adam Taggart, the Australian striker, chief among them, I think he would have definitely been gone if they didn't have that. Um, But yeah, Ulsan... Jumbook and Seoul, I think, are the ones that most of us are tipping for the top three. Okay. But, yeah. Again, you nice. know. And then uh, on the other end of the table, who are going to be the ones that, that struggle and struggle and uh, probably well, end up going down? Um, Incheon United is the team that comes to mind, but I love Incheon United at the end of the season because it's – it's just like the changing of the seasons every late summer, early fall Incheon is in 12th. It looks like they're going to get automatically relegated and they just get it together. They go on a run of games. It's the K league great escape. It happens every year. It's probably going to happen again this year because (laughs) they didn't have the best transfer window. So I think they will be in and around the relegation scrap as usual, but I never, I've learned my lesson. I no longer, put Incheon United in the relegation spots because they have taught me that lesson for years. So I won't say that they're going to be there. Um, Gwangju FC is a team. They've been a bit of a yo-yo club. They're back up in the first division after just running away with the second division last year. Uh, But they didn't have the best winter transfer wise. Um, They had a decent squad last year, but I don't know that that club is fully ready for K1. So I think Gwangju is going to struggle. And then Sungnam FC is a team that just couldn't score goals last year. They've done a little bit to address that, but they also lost their number one keeper. And uh, he was a big reason, Kim Dong-joon, he was a really big reason that they were staying in the top flight last year. So I think Sungnam's going to struggle. I think Gwangju's going to struggle. And Incheon's always down and around there, but not anymore. I'm not going to say that they're going to be relegated. <laughs> well, that sounds good for me because I got a computer to randomize what uh, K-League team I was going to support for the upcoming season and uh, I okay. in John. <laughs> so, well, there you go. Should be in for an I entertaining mean, season. They are always that. And, you know, if you were here in country and we had the games open to go to, it, they arguably have the best stadium. I think Daegu FC, they built a new stadium last year. Daegu did. That's like 12,000. And it, it, it's great. It's perfect size. It's gorgeous. Um, But Incheon has just a fantastic stadium as well. So 
they they have a they offer a good day out at the park and um yeah at the end of the year you will be entertained i, I don't <laughs> know how they don't give more of their fans heart attacks every year but they're entertaining so do you think that there are going to be some clubs that will end up being impacted quite hard by the fact that all games are going to be played behind closed doors at least for the first part of the season I think that'll be one of the more interesting things to find out because Jumbook traditionally plays really well at home. And I think a lot of that's because they have some of the best support in the league. Uh, You know, when you win all the time, you know, they just won their fourth (laughs) in a row and their seventh in uh, just over the past decade, that's going to get support, you know, and they've got that with them. And there were a couple of matches last year where you could tell that that support kind of pushed them on and propelled them on to win. There was a match against FC Seoul that they won late on. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the home support. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how Jumbook does without their fans behind them. Um, Suwon FC is a team that has a really good following as well. But ironically, they don't usually play well at home. So I think it would be... Uh, it it'd be something to look in the mirror at if you're a Suwon fan and they start playing well at home when they're not there. I mean, I don't know how much better the Suwon fans could support them. They're great. They have umbrellas. They sing their own version of Desposito after halftime. <laughs> they're, they're all sorts of fun. Well, that sounds um, brilliant. Are there any other fan quirks that kind of exist to, in, in the K-League and make clubs stand out like that? Yeah, there's a thing here. Most clubs, uh, when the teams are coming back from the half, when they're coming back from the break, um, they're just these like ballads. They're like Korean. It's not like K-pop, but it's these like slow ballads that everybody pulls out their phone and like waves it back and forth and sings along. And fans here love it. But for me, I'm still not a huge fan. I'm still not used to it. <laughs> so you know, like, I, I grew up, you know, a hockey fan, uh, a baseball fan, obviously a soccer fan in the States, but MLS wasn't there at the time. So, so, for me, the halftime tradition is more like, you know, Guns N' Roses is playing. There are flamethrowers going off behind the goal or something like that. So to have these like ballad songs that everybody's singing at halftime is uh, still a little strange. It's unique. Um, so I like that. But uh, I cannot go through this without mentioning Gangwon FC. Last year, they had a super fan show up in one of those inflatable T-Rex outfits. And that man became a celebrity. He is amazing. He's always behind the goal in this giant T-Rex outfit. Nobody complains about not being able to see around it. Um, and just recently, we restreamed a classic match from last year. that finished 5-4. Gangwon was 4-0 down to Pohong. And then they came back and won 5-4 with three goals after the 90th minute. It, it was just nuts. And uh, you can just see in the background this dinosaur like running up and down the stands. Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> So, there, yeah, there are all sorts of really fun things like that. Um, every club has its own thing. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're really fun to follow. So what would you say makes the K-League different from all the major European leagues? What's, what are the standout things from Korean football that isn't quite in the style of football that you see in Europe? I think there are two things to it. The, the first one I would touch on is, like, the, the business side of things. Clubs are either owned by what are known as chables, so like large corporations like Hyundai, um, Postco Steel is another one here. Um, used to be Samsung. They're not as involved with uh, Suwon as they used to be, but 
a lot of the teams are owned by really big institutions like that. Dejan this year was bought out by a bank, for example, and they're tipped to do really well in K2. So you've got that end of sides, but then also a ton of teams are owned by the local city government and their citizen clubs. And, you know, Daegu FC is a team that performed really, really well in Champions League. Um, again, they just built a new stadium downtown. The team's doing really, really well. They had four players on um, the under-23 championship side in Thailand in January. So that's on the other side of it. So it's this really fun kind of like David versus Goliath in a lot of ways where, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've got Jumbuk facing off against Daegu, for example, two really fun attacking teams with completely different approaches to how to build a club. And that's a fun aspect of it. I mean, that's there in other leagues as well, obviously, but I don't think it's quite to the extent of like the taxpayers club versus a Hyundai team, for example. Um, and then the other thing of it is the, the split system. I know that that is in place in a couple of spots, but I think it's not the traditional way of doing things. But again, I really like it because I think at the end of the season, maybe not all 12 teams, but I would say at least nine or 10 of them are all really involved. And uh, there's a lot on the line, you know, when you're looking Mm. at sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that, maybe those teams aren't as involved, but after the split, when you've got teams in fourth and fifth, they want to get up into third place to get that ACL spot for second and third or fighting for a title. And then the relegation scrap last year, there were four teams in the relegation battle almost until the last weekend. And then all of those matches really mean something. So even the seventh place team is being pulled into that because if they have an off day against the team in 11th, then that could cost another team the relegation spot. So I really like that system because, again, it just keeps the fan bases engaged longer and gives all gives more to cheer for for a little bit longer. So I, I really like that format, and I do think it is a little bit different. Well, I think it is a good system, and uh, obviously it's been tried and tested in Scotland a bit recently. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, mean, I mean, Celtic run away with it every year, so there's not much exactly. of an interest at the title race, but there are more interesting battles for the sort of Europa League qualifying spots and the relegation battles, and it makes the matches at the end of the season more competitive because you get teams at the bottom of the league playing teams at the bottom of the league, and they've all got something to play for. So, that yeah, exactly. sounds like that's a really good way to end the season. Yeah, it's fun. So, going back to uh, K2, who do you think are the teams that are going to be coming up into the K1 for next season? Yeah, so I mentioned it briefly. Daejeon, they were Daejeon Citizen. They were a citizen-owned club for the longest time. Now they are Daejeon Hana Citizen because they're now owned by Hana Bank. And they broke the K-League 2 transfer record getting the goalkeeper from Sungnam I was talking about earlier, Kim Dong-Joon, rumored to be about a million dollars transfer within the league, which is just unheard of and is massive for a goalkeeper especially. Uh, They also brought in a really experienced Korean manager who has been in charge of FC Seoul recently. Didn't exactly go well there, but he's won the league before, and I think there's a lot of pressure on him to, to do well. And Dejan's also brought in a lot of talent that I think K1 clubs would be perfectly happy to have. And I, I think they're, yeah, Dejan I think is one of the teams that is definitely favored. Jeju United is another team. They just got relegated for the first time in their history and they 
just built an all-star team. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They've got so many great players that came in. Um, Jungjo Gook is a player that has been around in K-League forever, a really savvy veteran. He's playing in the second division for the first time, just a couple years removed from winning an MVP season, uh, an MVP season for him. And he's down there. They've got two goalkeepers that I think most K-League one clubs would like, and that's who they have fighting it out for the spot back there. Um, Jeju is going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think they got a lot of attacking talent and a couple of international players as well. Elias Aguilar plays for the Costa Rica national team, and he's down in the second division competing with Jeju. Um, Gyeongnam's another team. Gyeongnam stormed up, and they were in second place in K1 in 2018 and then got relegated last year. So they're going to be looking to bounce back, but they just play unapologetic attacking football and it kind of bit them last year, but they're really fun to watch and they could do well back down in K2. Uh, I want to say my team, the Junum Dragons have a chance, but they're more focused on youth development right now. But with those playoff spots in K2, you never really know. And K2 is just wild. I mean, it, last year, Buchan 1995 as a team, they won five games in a row to end the season and stole the final playoff spot. On the last day of the season, they got into the playoffs and then made a decent run there. So, well, had a good, good showing, I should say. They didn't make a run. <laughs> but they, they did well for themselves there. So K2 is always really unpredictable. But I think this year, with Dejan having the financial backing that they have and wanting to get back into K1, I, th- I think... They're going to do really well. And then JG United, again, they've only been relegated the one time and they don't want to stay down there. And the squad that they have, I think, would be safe from relegation in K1. So anything other than promotion for those two clubs would be a massive disappointment. So do you think that, because it sounds like a lot of the teams towards the top who are going to be contending for K2 have made a lot of investment in their squad for this season. Is that the way to get out of K2, just to spend a lot of money on it and... Get, in, get back into K1 that way? Well, it can be, but also um, Songnam FC recently got promoted as a citizen club. You know, they lost the financial backing that they used to have before they got promoted. Suwon FC is another team that got promoted in recent years. They're a citizen club in the same city as Suwon Samsung Blue Wings. So that's, that's a fun rivalry. And we finally got to see that derby happen in the first division. Uh, that was a little while ago. So citizen clubs can find their way out. Daegu FC is another team that got out of K2 as a citizen club. So I think it's it really just comes down to how well you can put together runs. I mean, it's it's very similar to like a basketball season in that way, I guess, in the NBA, where if you can put together a good string of three or four matches a couple of times in K2, it's really going to carry you through um, because the table's always really, really tight. You know, last year, I don't remember when it was, but it was late on in the season and there was a point where any team between third and I think all the way down to ninth still had a good shot of being in the playoffs or could have been eliminated from the playoffs with only, I, I think, like three or four weeks to go, something like that. It's, it's madness. It's madness and it's delightful. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, no, I don't think you have to buy your way out of K2. It doesn't hurt, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Dejan's going to be too upset having the financial backing that they have, but I don't think it's necessary to get out of K2. Okay. Well, that's good in a way that it's, that it's not all about the money all the time. So what got you interested in K-League in the first place? Because obviously you said you didn't have the MLS um, when you were mentioning some of the earlier sports that you were into, like baseball and hockey. So what, what kind of drew you towards the K-League? 
Um, I grew up playing uh, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. For the record, I really don't care what people call it. Both names came from the English, so it doesn't matter to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I grew up playing that in the States. And yeah, MLS just wasn't a thing when I was growing up. It didn't come around until 96. And even then, I grew up in near Detroit. And uh, we didn't have a pro team then. We still don't in MLS anyway. There is Detroit City FC. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, but I didn't really grow up with the sport in the same way that a lot of the other guys involved in K-League United or a lot of the folks that I talked to have. Uh, but when I moved to Chicago, I went and saw the Chicago Fireplay and just fell in love with it. I, I hadn't been a part of a stadium atmosphere like that before. And I fell in love with that aspect of it. And then when I moved to Korea in 2015, I was a 10-minute walk away from the Jeonnam Dragons home stadium. And uh, it, it just became an addiction. I mean, I, I immediately bought a season ticket, was there every week, and I almost immediately started uh, K-League United to write about it, to just analyze the game, just talk about it, try to promote it a little bit. Um, because I just really, I love what the league has to offer, especially compared to leagues back in the States. Match tickets are extremely affordable here. It's the equivalent of like $10, maybe $15 maximum to get into a game. You can bring in your own food. If you want to bring in like an entire pizza for you and your friends to eat, you can do that. It's not a problem. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's a little bit freer in a lot of ways than sports are back in the States for me. Uh, so that was one of the things. But also, I just, I've just always lived by the mantra of support your local and... I think one of the things that gets me here is the obsession with European football. And I get it. You know, it's great. We all want to watch the EPL, Bundesliga, La Liga, Liga, and we want, you know, we want to see the best in the world, obviously. But a lot of times it's not paired with supporting the team in your backyard. And that really annoys me. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't <laughs> agree with that. I don't like it. There's plenty of room to do both. And I think if people have the passion to support the best leagues in the world, it doesn't take too much to go down on a Saturday afternoon, sit outside in great weather and support a team that actually needs your ticket money, that actually needs you to come in and actually needs you to make noise in the stands. And that's one of the things that I saw happening in K-League was a little bit of a void and, and certainly a gap with uh, a lot of foreign fans. And so um, I wanted to do something to try to change that if I could and to just be involved. I think being an expat living here in Korea, it's such a great way to bridge the cultural difference. I mean, and uh, you know, that's the beauty of football. We talk about it all the time as a global game for a reason, because you, you can meet people from all over the world. And here I live in Seoul now, and you do. We meet people from all over the world, and there's just this really easy bond of football. And to me, the easiest way to foster that is to just go to a game have some fun and support the team that's there. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that K League's the best league in the world. You know, because it's not. We're, we we don't <laughs> have the money that the EPL has or that Bundesliga or La Liga or any of these other major leagues have. We're not going to be able to attract the best players in the world. But it's certainly fun. There are players of a really high quality, a really high standard. I mean, the Korean national team shows this time and again, and most of those players are coming up through K League. So. I, I just kind of fell in love with the whole setup. I fell in love with the teams that were here that were accessible and that are fun to follow. So I mean, it really didn't take too much to sell me on the league. And then I wanted to try to get as many more folks involved as I could. Well, that sounds brilliant. I mean, it sounds quite similar to a sort of English non-league setup almost, sort of yep. £10 for a ticket, your local setup 
about five, ten minutes from down the road and a team that really needs your support and values it. So that's good that that's almost applied to a major league like that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I think you, and again, as an expat, I think one of the reasons that so many folks get into it here as a foreigner is that it is a really great way to connect with your community, you know, and you meet people that grew up where you live. You know, when I was down south with the Genom Dragons, that's like five hours south of Seoul. It's about as far south in the country as you can get. And, um, you know, there is that cultural gap and it's a little bit difficult to find common ground sometimes, but it wasn't with football you know, because it's part of the community in a lot of ways. Mm. And obviously football's global and accessible around the world. So finally, do you think that there'll be a big long-term impact on the K-League and its global global knowledge, global attention as a result of the attention that it's going to attract by being one of the only major leagues operational? I mean, I hope so. I want that to happen, obviously. I think... You know, the the Belarus Premier League is an example of what can happen where everybody gets involved. And I think it, it kind of got commoditized and, and people, you know, everybody picked a team and everybody was watching the games when they could and everybody enjoyed it. But now I think people have kind of moved on a little bit. And I, I think that'll probably happen with K-League to an extent. But I think with K-League specifically, there's it's just always com- competing against so many other leagues happening at the same time. And I think there is a level of play here. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say it's one of the top five leagues in the world, but it's a lot higher than people give it credit for. And my hope is that people will be able to tune in and be able to watch this and see that and see the merits of Asian football because there's a lot of really great football over here. It's not just K-League. And I mean, AFC Champions League is all sorts of fun to watch as well. And I, I would just love to see this kind of get more attention on Asian football in general. But K-League specifically, I think if more people pay attention to it, that would be amazing. That would be great. And I think it's on, I think it'll be in people's minds more just because of what's happening in the world right now. And I don't think this is something that's going to be easily forgotten. But what I also hope happens from this is that K-League itself and the clubs start to think of things a little bit more internationally as well. And they start to realize that there is demand throughout the world for this league. And that people from around the world, I mean, hopefully it doesn't take a global pandemic in the future for people to want to tune in. Um, but I do think that there is, there is interest outside of Korea for this league. And I hope that that interest sticks around both ways. You know, I hope that more people do want to watch it. And I hope that the teams realize that there are folks outside of Korea, outside of Asia that have an interest. And I think the more that that relationships fostered in both ways, the better the league's going to be and the better the sport's going to be. Cause the, you know, n- none of the top leagues in the world are, are strictly insular. And I'm, and that's not the way K league is either, but I think that it could be a little bit more globalized. And I, and again, I hope that that happens both ways because of this experience. All right. Well, brilliant. Hopefully there is that longer term impact on the K league. Uh, so I'll say thank you very much, Ryan, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And the K-League gets started this Friday at 11am BST with John Book facing Suwon Blue Wings and digital coverage is available on Copper 90.